you're listening to the Whitewater Podcast. First off, we just want to say thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoy what you hear today, please subscribe, share, rate, and review the podcast. If you want to support what Whitewater is doing, you can go to whitewaterchurch.org give or click on give in the show notes. Let's dive into this week's message together. How do you deal with feelings of being overwhelmed? The psalmist wrote this in Psalm 69. Save me, O God, for the flood waters are up to my neck. Deeper and deeper I sink into the mire. I can't find a foothold. I'm in the deep water, and the floods overwhelm me. I'm exhausted from crying for help. My throat is parched. My eyes are swollen with weeping, waiting for my God to help me. What stands out to me in that passage is the the phrase, I'm in deep water, and the flood it's overwhelming me. Um, I remember my son this this summer running up to me next to the lake, and he wanted to learn how to swim. And I said, want to do it here? And he said, no, Dad, I don't want to learn in the deep water. It's hard to deal with the weight of reality when we feel like we're being pulled under the water. How many of you feel like you can barely keep your head above water? It has been so tough recently. I want you to know that God cares about our mental and emotional state. The Psalms are written in the language of emotion. The authors of the Psalms often poured out their mental anguish, their emotional pain, and their anger. You know, do you ever get real with God and just be totally honest? Jesus was overwhelmed at times within his ministry. At one point, it was right before he went to the cross, in fact, and he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he cried out to God and he cried out in prayer to his heavenly father. I just think it's so important to remember that Jesus was honest and real with his anger, with his hurt, with his pain, with his fear. God wants us to be honest with how we feel and where our minds and our emotions are at. Jesus came to give a full life to every one of us. Life to the full, holistic healing for our minds, our bodies, our souls, our relationships. If you haven't had feelings of being overwhelmed, you probably have family and friends who do. This sermon series is for you and your friends and your family. It's to move us all forward on our journey from maybe mental and emotional stress and anxiety toward wholeness. We think it's crucial for the church to remove the stigma around mental health issues. If you or anyone you know are struggling, we want you to be able to get the help you need. We have mental health resources to help you find the help that you need to move forward in wholeness. I want to encourage you to share this conversation with your friends or family that are feeling overwhelmed. Guys, we love you so much, and let's do this together. On this week of Counselor's Corner, question one, does the Bible care about mental health? I absolutely think that the Bible cares about mental health. I think historically in the church, there has been this kind of mentality of if you're feeling anxious or if you're if something's wrong in your life, if you're sick or whatever, you just need to pray. You need to have more faith. And yes, we do need to pray and we do need to trust and lean into the Lord. But also there are tools that can help 
work through those things. There are tools and avenues that we can use to help you process your anxiety. I think that the reason why Jesus talks so much about fear and anxiety is not because he doesn't expect us to have it. It's because he knows we do have fear and anxiety and he wants us to be to be able to live free of it ultimately, but he also knows we're not, we're human. And so how are we gonna navigate our fear and anxiety? He's always encouraging us towards ultimately the fullness of life. The Bible talks about that Jesus came that we would have fullness of life and to have fullness of life, he wants us to have mental health and holistic health. And therapy is ultimately just a tool. It's a person to support you in that process. Don't think that you that your anxiety or depression or any of the trauma that you're processing from this last year is a lack of your faith. That's just not true. And the Lord would want you to have health and wellness in that area. So use therapy as a tool if you're feeling prompted to. Question two, how do I talk about my mental health struggles? The irony of it is that the church is supposed to be a safe, transparent place. And it is generally the last place that we are willing to share any of our struggles with because if you let on that you may be depressed, what's wrong with you? Okay? Or you may be anxious. Uh, really? What? What's wrong with you? Or you may be resentful. And then you get these Christian platitudes from people who are well-meaning, no doubt, but you feel guilty because uh, everybody else in church is happy, but you are miserable. So in addition to those sorts of feelings that everybody goes through, we add on to it a sense of failure in you know, our Christian walk, and that exacerbates things. So the one place that should be a safe place for us ends up being a very scary place for us. And so part of that is finding a good church. Part of that is, uh, you know, if we can't find a good church, at least some good people within the church. Make sure you're connected. People who are connected end up living longer. So belong before you believe, but belong. You need that as you are walking through life. So staying connected is incredibly important because none of us are meant to do this alone. We all need to belong before we believe. And that belonging will help us to go deeper and deeper into the things of God. Question three. How do I find the right counselor for me? Good question. Counseling is so personable. It can take a little bit of time. I know that finding the right therapist does feel oftentimes like the biggest barrier between you and therapy. It feels overwhelming. You don't really want to open up and be personable with someone that you don't feel connection with. So this can be kind of a daunting process. When I have actually attended therapy, I actually went through some friends. Also, I have 
people in my life who do therapy, so I ask them for personal recommendations. That can kind of make you feel a little less uneasy about who you're seeing if someone you trust also trusts this person. But oftentimes we don't have that luxury. So you can always start by asking the church and that can just be a helpful um, starting point. I do encourage you that if you are seeing someone and you don't feel like it's a good fit, it is totally okay to communicate that and to look for someone else. Sometimes I talk to people who say they've tried counseling, it wasn't helpful, wasn't a good fit, they didn't like the experience. And I would just encourage you, if you do find yourself in that scenario, to try and find someone else. Just because you've had a bad experience with a specific therapist does not mean that therapy across the board may not be a good thing or helpful for you. It is so person-specific, which can make finding a therapist challenging, but it is worth the work finding someone that you do feel like you can trust and open up to, and then therapy can really be a really valuable thing in your life. If you're looking for recommendations on where to start, go ahead and check out on our website, whitewaterchurch.org slash mental health, and we have a list of resources and recommendations there. Question four, how do I deal with feelings of anxiety? Exercise is important because it gets the endorphins going and that helps immensely. And limiting your screen time because there is a correlation between depression and anxiety with the amount of time you spend on screens and the same is true with children. And find a hobby or two. Find something that can take your mind off of your day-to-day work. I've got quite a few hobbies that help me to stay centered and take my mind off the kinds of stuff that make me emotionally exhausted. So I'm working on uh, being a chess master, and I'm uh, working pretty diligently at that. And, uh, and I am playing my saxophone quite a bit and my bass guitar. So distraction is helpful and getting involved in other things is helpful. Find stuff that you enjoy doing that is different than staring at a television or staring at a computer screen. That's what I would suggest. Question five. How do I encourage someone towards counseling who is resistant? In order for therapy to be really productive and helpful in someone's life, they have to want to change. They have to want to seek help. And oftentimes we think, we'll just throw them at a counselor and then it'll fix their problems. And really it is so much about whether that person wants help or not. Part of the issue I think that we face when we're encouraging people towards counseling is there's still sometimes this idea that if you're getting counseling, then something's wrong with you. People don't really like that feeling of like, well, you need therapy because we need to fix this. So maybe communicating about, you know, the the reason why you think therapy would be helpful. It allows someone to be kind of in your corner in life, to hear just what you're, how you're doing. I think of therapy as 
almost like getting a physical from the doctor. It doesn't have to be that I'm going in because my arm is broken. It's sometimes we see a doctor because our arm is broken. And sometimes we just go in for regular physicals where someone's going, how's your health? How are you doing holistically? And that can be what therapy can be for anyone, really. I see a therapist regularly because I find that really helpful, particularly this year where I'm processing a lot of hard things with people. It's good for me to have someone who's going, how are you doing? What healthy habits are you using? Or are you leaning into negative coping habits? And so if you are having a hard time getting someone to go to therapy, Sometimes I like to tell people, maybe you should go to therapy and then people will follow your lead because it's less, you know, in less like you need this and it's not for me. So just try and communicate about it in a way that is less about maybe something being broken and more about how this may add health to this person's life. It may improve their quality of life. But ultimately, it is their choice to go and you can't carry that for your friends. Question six, what should I do when I feel stuck? What I sometimes call the unholy trinity is getting stuck in guilt, fear, or bitterness. And those emotions themselves are not bad. Guilt can be helpful when it leads to repentance. Fear can be helpful when it leads to safety Uh, Resentment can be helpful when it leads to knowing who it is we need to forgive. But when we get stuck in them, that's that's when we start uh, circling the drain. And so, so recognizing who we are in Christ, recognizing the goodness and grace of God is essential, which is why going to a secular therapist only goes so far. You can't get at the core issues of guilt, fear, and bitterness if you cannot help people to understand that their life is in God's hands and he is good. You can tell people that they shouldn't live in ongoing feelings of guilt and shame, but unless they understand the forgiveness that's afforded to them by the death and resurrection of Christ, They know they're guilty. They know they've done things they shouldn't have done or didn't do things they should have done. Everybody knows that. And so unless you can help them understand the forgiveness, you can't get there. And we all act out of the sense of who we are. So God always brings us back to the fact that he has exchanged all of our sin and all of our guilt for his righteousness. And so and so we live with him in us, continually conforming us to him, and we are seen as righteous. And there is no condemnation. And it's as we believe that that we end up becoming more and more thankful and we end up acting righteous out of a heart of thanksgiving. And it's long-term gratefulness. It's that habit that leads to joy, the joy of our salvation. Hey, Whitewater family. Thanks again for joining us this week. At Whitewater, we believe in creating an environment where you can belong before you believe. If you want to learn more about who we are and what we believe in, visit us at our website, whitewaterchurch.org. 
If you'd like to contribute to Whitewater financially, you can give online at whitewaterchurch.org give. Or if you want to get involved in blessing our communities or are interested in joining one of our home churches, email us at info at whitewaterchurch.org. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.